Hey everybody, Colin J. Harden here, co-host of the episode one show. This is part two of the Abbott Elementary episode featuring Kira Jones. But first, I have a special announcement. We will be taking a short break for the holidays and we will be back in the first week of January, that Thursday. So until then, enjoy this wonderful conversation and this great episode with Kira Jones as she drops all these gems about the industry, about writing, about structure, and we just laugh and joke about a show that we really enjoy, Abbott Elementary. Thanks for listening. Hmm. Um, okay, so I've only been in two rooms, so some of this is a mix of my personal experience, um, and also just kind of hearing from other writers, their bad experiences and their good experiences. Um, so I feel really fortunate that woke was the first room that I ever had. Like, I think I had like the best example of how a writer's room should be run. Um, our showrunner, Anthony King is, was just he's a beast he is so seasoned he's written on so many really iconic shows like broad city and um had created a a few of his own shows he also he's also a playwright he wrote the beetlejuice musical and also shit and gutenberg that's on broadway right now so he's like a killer and he's a white man so when i first came in because it was an all black room except him And the creators are both also black. And so I was like, "Hmm, why they got this white man running this show? And he was the exact right white man you want running that show because he just brought in all of his show running and comedy expertise, but but never tried to speak for the black experience or pretend that he knew better than us about what the actual heart of the show is and, and what these characters are experiencing. So he would listen to us um, and hold all of our opinions with equal weight. It didn't feel like there was any type of hierarchy. They're like there technically is a hierarchy in a writer's room, right? Like the staff writer or staff writer is at the bottom of the totem pole as far as the room goes. I mean, I guess if you're counting assistants, they're below that. But uh, and then it goes story editor is the next level, executive story editor, uh, co-producer and now there's a new tier that they just added with the strike it's writer dash producer i don't know where it goes it's somewhere around co-producer uh okay. and then it's like supervising producer and then co-executive producer executive producer so that's kind of the latter and so depending on your showrunner like they will remind you of where you are on that fucking totem pole hmm. i didn't even know there was a totem pole really because i got staffed in a really uh a really unexpected and sudden way. So I had never been in a writer's room before. I never assisted or anything. And I just had to fly by the seat of my pants. So I just, I didn't even realize what the hierarchy was. I learned later. Um, So I do think that's one thing that makes a really good showrunner is that you don't really give credence to the hierarchy, at least as far as like whose ideas are worth the most. Um, And so he definitely didn't do that. And it was felt a very, felt like a very democratic room. Like some showrunners, they're going to be the final say. Um, So even if everybody in the room likes a particular idea and you've argued why it works for the story, if the showrunner doesn't like it, it's not happening. But for Anthony, um, you know, somebody would pitch something and he might be like, oh, I don't know about that. And then if everybody else was like, no, 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 we really like this idea, he'd be like, okay, let's try it. Um, And if he would only get rid of something if it was there was like a logistical reason why it wouldn't work. Like it would conflict with something that's already happening in the story or, you know. Um, so I think that also makes a good showrunner is that um, they are they don't power trip, <laughs> which a lot of showrunners do. Um, and I also think that uh, having a diverse show, a diverse writer's room, not just in terms of identity, right? Like having it all, you can still have a diverse room with everybody's black, um, diverse in ages, diverse in life experiences, gender, sexuality. One of the reasons I got staffed is they were looking for a queer black woman for the show. Cause there's a queer black character, queer black woman character on woke. Um, and when I think about a writer's room, I heard, i stole this analogy from somebody else. I don't know who it was, but, um, you, it's kind of like putting together a sports team, right? Like you, 
don't want everyone to be able to, ha- to have the exact same skill set. So if you're putting together a football team, I know nothing about football. I just know you can't have a team full of linebackers, right? <laughs> um, so you're going to have – good. You could have called the Ravens. Lose a lot, huh? Right. Um, But so in a room, you might have somebody who's like really, really great at character and somebody who's like got the jokes on deck, someone who's really good at structure, um, someone who is really good at problem solving. Like everybody kind of has their different strength. It's not every, not everybody is good at the same thing. So that also makes a good writer's room. Mm -hmm. And I think just, maintaining like the joy and the excitement of being a storyteller um this business can be really difficult and like i said um there's some showrunners that really power trip especially if they kind of came up from the bottom and got treated like shit and some people think oh this is my opportunity to torture people the way that i was tortured rather than like oh this is my opportunity to try to change the culture of this uh industry so um when you are, when you have a showrunner that's kind of like that, it can be so miserable, but uh, this is a fun job. Like I mm-hmm. loved being in both my writer's rooms. Uh, when I hear horror stories from people, it makes me really sad because it's like, we got into this field because we loved it. If you got into it for money, you're stupid. <laughs> you're, like once you actually work, uh, get steady work, yeah, it can be really good money, but the path to getting to that point is really difficult and it can be very feast or famine so you're doing it because you have this like internal drive to be a storyteller um Mm -hmm. and then when you get the opportunity and it's just like traumatic and miserable and you hate it it's just really sad to see and it doesn't I don't think it makes for good storytelling there are some showrunners who especially comedy showrunners who were like convinced that trauma and like sleep deprivation and all of these negative things are what bring out the best stories. And it's just simply not true. Like I'm not going to do my best writing when I'm crying in the bathroom with my laptop. Like it's just not happening. <laughs> just, just, just making knock, knock jokes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, no, it, no. <laughs> I think I, it might've, it might've been Tina Fey or somebody like that who famously said like I, that they like to get, writers step to to be exhausted as exhausted as they can be because better jokes come out when they're really tired and like, oh lord i don't think that's terrible true. <laughs> <laughs> true. but maybe that's i mean that's her experience 30 rock is a great show so clearly it worked somehow <laughs> yeah well it's also i mean here's a question so speaking of jokes right i was going when i was going through the script and i was reading i was reading i, I noticed that a lot of jokes actually got cut Mm-hmm. And a lot of, but still, like on the page is basically what people said, you know what yeah. I mean. So, like, if I'm writing, if I'm especially if I'm writing for sitcom, am I, am I just confident that what I'm gonna write is 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 what's gonna come off, across as funny, or I'm also like relying on the performers, like for an improv or for a moment of spontaneity, or you know what I mean, a more moment of you know what actors would say is like inspiration, but it's really just them kind of hijacking the show (laughs) it's extremely collaborative um and it really does depend on the show uh i was just talking about the office with somebody i think it was my friend who's literally so obsessed with the office and like not like we all know someone who's obsessed with the office this person is my my friend vanessa's it's to a degree that i've never seen before (laughs) but she was uh like a lot she was saying that a lot of people think that the office is largely improvised but it's actually not like 90 something percent of what they're fi- made it to the final cut is what was written on the page. And the actors just talked about there like there just wasn't a need to improvise because the material is already so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are some shows that they do, the actors do improvise a lot of the jokes. So it really it varies from production to production. But um for you have to do something called uh punch ups and you also have to have alternates so when we had finished writing our scripts for woke we went through all of them and pitched alternate jokes for each of the punch lines because sometimes when you get on set um like you, for, for, let's say for the guest starring roles, you don't know who's going to be in that role when you're writing it. They cast it after you've already written it. So maybe they cast 
a person of a different identity than you had in mind before. Maybe that you really thought the person was going to be tall and the actor of the cast is short. And now the joke that you made isn't going to make sense anymore. So you have to uh, have alternate jokes ready. I mean, sometimes it just, there's nothing with the actor. It's just, it's not, it's, it's not hitting in the way that it should hit. Um, so that's also another reason why it's really important to have writers on set uh, because if in the event that the line is just not delivering in the way that you had hoped it would, um, you need to have somebody there to be able to write it, rewrite it on the fly. Interesting. Yeah, I was, I was, as I was reading the script, I was thinking the same thing. One, I was struck by the fact that they're like the fourth wall breaking was not really in there like that. Like, so that was, I guess that was complete direction. Like, there's a couple of times where, I mean, I mm -hmm. think. Melissa, before she gets introduced, like as soon as she sees the the camera, she like shudders a little bit. You know what I mean? Like she's like, and then her talking head like shows exactly why because she's like wary and paranoid about the camera being there. So I'm like, I'm I was wondering if when I watched it, I was wondering if it was going to be in the script and it wasn't. So it was just interesting seeing like some of those fourth wall breaks, some of those like push-ins and all those other things that you, that make the comedy happen are not written. They're happening on, on set, either with the director or like, can you, can you speak to that a little bit or do you? you know? Yeah. I, I mean, you, when you're doing casting for comedy, you try to cast actors that have good comedic timing and potentially some improv background, um, but there's just so much about what the actors do, what choices they make that end up informing the character later. And um, this is another thing that Greg Daniels talked about with Parks and Rec is that L Leslie look or um, Amy Poehler was witnessing and hearing the feedback about Leslie as a character. And she started making different decisions with her performance mm -hmm. in the second season that then informed what the writers decided to do with the trajectory of her character. Um, mm -hmm. And so it is, I think, especially with comedy, it's very symbiotic. It's uh, extremely collaborative. It's really, really hard to dictate how a particular person should be funny. Um, like the way that Elijah delivers a joke is going to be different than how I deliver a joke. And you just have to be able to, as a writer and a director, roll with what that performance is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, we also don't know what the um, what the audience is going to latch on to. You know, yeah. we don't we don't know which characters are going to pop or which characters are suddenly like some like Mr. Johnson the, the is now a series regular, I think, in season two. You know, so which which came back from like his performance and his work in, in the first season. So it's like there's also that factor, which I think is is very kind of interesting as well. Yes. Um, and this is a broadcast show. So for folks who don't know, uh, with broadcast, they're you're in the writer's room while they're shooting the show. So say uh when I was on Queens, we were maybe writing episode three or four while they were shooting episode two because they had already shot the pilot. I think they did have to do some reshoots for the pilot because they like recast um, Eve's husband because I guess the audience did not respond to her white husband, the white husband she had originally. <laughs> so we gave her the dude from Sister Sister. But um, yeah, so things like that, changes will happen in real time with audience reactions on broadcast shows that can't happen on streaming or cable because a lot of the time for those writers rooms the rooms wrap before you start production and then there may even be another year after you finish production before it actually makes it on screen so uh broadcast is like much much faster and so you can make those changes immediately before the end of the season, whereas other types of shows have to, you have to wait to see the audience reaction after it's already done and then you can't fix it. It just got to go the way it's going and p potentially piss off your audience. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dope. All right. So uh, let's get in, let's get into some of our, our categories. Segment break that time. Down. Is it segment yeah. time? Yeah let's uh segment time segment time all right so we got a couple of segments and our first one is our steph curry word we're gonna have to figure out an, a gender neutral name for this person <laughs> steph curry angel reese angel reese our steph curry angel reese award goes to, goes to the act 
Candace Parker goes to the. I don't know no sports. <laughs> I know Serena nope. Williams. Serena, Serena Williams. Williams. There we one. go. That's there we go. One. That's a that's good. That's a goat. That's another goat. Uh, it goes to our actor or department that cannot miss. Uh, and so, who do you got for your Steph Curry award? Kira. Who did I put that? I think I. Oh, Shirley Ralph for sure. Uh huh. Uh, she's such a a goat, and um, I love that Quinta <clears throat> when she was casting for the show kind of brought some throwback actors like their you know, whose big roles were back in the '90s, early 2000s. Even with uh Tyler James Williams, like everybody mm-hmm. knows, everybody hates Chris, and they haven't really seen this grown-up version of him. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheryl Lee Ralph is a UPN uh, alum and had all those has so many iconic roles in the Black community, but definitely wasn't a household name for the more mainstream audience and um, that Quinta was able to bring her in and make give her an, an Emmy. I think there, there I yeah. read that or maybe heard Quinta say that she told Cheryl Lee Ralph's son, like, I'm going to get your mom an Emmy. Wow. And she did. Um, and so, and she deserves it because she's great in that role yes. um, with both the comedic moments and then the more uh, heartfelt performance moment. She just killed every single one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mine is I got to give it to Quinta because when I when I saw that like the vast majority of the jokes that I saw on screen were actually were scripted. I was like, holy shit! Because I was I thought because me being a fucking normie, I was like, oh fuck, they must be improving this whole time. But now, like, and actually a lot of jokes had got cut out that I actually thought was like fucking funny. So I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got to give it to Quinta. I think like that is my Steph Curry. Yeah, I agree. I I gave it to Quinta also for the same reason. Exactly. Literally. Uh, It was after watching. I was like, I like Cheryl Lee Ross performance. But after reading the script, I was like, wow, you're you're right. I was like, this is being delivered to the letter. And these jokes, some of the ones that get cut, I was like, I would have I would I would have wanted to see that on screen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just really impressed. And the, the acting performance when she sings. When she goes back and forth with with uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph, like talking talking to herself through her, that was hilarious. And then she sings that she's so lovely. I just laughed so hard. So I mean, all of that plus the writing plus the acting. I just I just loved it. So yeah, I but it. I would. But this is hard because this entire I mean this entire cast is like top down, with oh, the yeah. exception with the exception of maybe the the lady who plays the um, Schwartz. Uh, the, yeah, Schwartz. Yeah. But oh. she gets fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's, she's a, a one episode co-star. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree though. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but like, yeah, like top down, like like, and the, but the great thing about this is like, I know all these not not I know all these people, but I know all these people. Like, I have a friend who's just like Jacob. Uh, I you know oh, I yeah. knew a Melissa. You know what I mean. I know an Ava. You know, I even right. know a Mr. Johnson. Like, oh yeah, definitely Mr. Yeah, Johnson. Yeah, That's in my family know? somewhere. <laughs> Actually, there was an art teacher named. Mr. Jones at my uh, high school. He reminds me of Mr. Johnson. And he, when he would see me, he would sing me and Mrs. Jones at me. <laughs> and he oh, always called. Which is inappropriate. It is inappropriate. So inappropriate. And uh, he just, he re- only referred to us as scholars. He'd be like, scholar, go go that. to pull your trash away. Scholar, uh, go to yeah. class. I love those guys. I had a guy who he would say, he was like a little, like a security guy. Young man. Young man, that's how he would refer to us all these young black boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I love what I love is um when Jacob uh, has a segue, but I love when um uh, Jacob goes up to Gregory and he's like uh, he's like good to see another male, perf- good to see another male teacher, and he like leans back and I'm like I've had that fucking conversation. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. trying to be a paraeducator, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, yeah um all right and next one coldest line we usually sprinkle this in but we're actually throwing it in in a yeah. segment section yeah which well, is because we're, we have structured this show now we figured out how to put it in line in a particular place all right that's great i love a structured podcast we're getting better we're getting better okay <laughs> but you said that yours was the xanax the rug i know i true. know but i'm gonna say it now i'm gonna say it all the way out okay so my coldest line is this Losing the rug is a big deal. For primary classes, rugs are like a calming space for the kids. It's like a Xanax. Like a huge Xanax for kids to sit on. 
from Miss Teague's. It's like a Xanax, a huge Xanax for kids to sit on. We'll, nice. We'll, we'll stick it in there so you can get the context later. But yeah, there it is. That's my line. <laughs> nice. Why is that your coldest line, Colin? Because it's funny. It made me laugh. <laughs> and it was ridiculous. And it was kind of inappropriate. So it's like a little dark little place to to put something in a, in a show about children, which I thought was funny. <laughs> what you got, Kira? What's your coldest line? Mine's kind of long. Um, it's like an interaction, but it is when the teachers are all looking at the boy that's sleeping on the floor where the rug usually is. And uh, Shirley Ralph's character says, Janine, teachers at a school like Abbott, we have to be able to do it all. We are admin, we are social workers, we are therapists, we are second parents. Hell, sometimes we're even first. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> it show sure ain't the money. Mm-hmm. I can make more work in the street. Easy. Well, I definitely wrote, oh, teachers are a lot like Abbott, uh, teachers at a school like Abbott, we have to be able to do it all. We're, uh, we're admin, we are social workers, we're therapists, we're second parents. Hell, sometimes we're even first. Why? It show ain't the money. And then um, Melissa says, mm hmm, I could make more working the street easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think that was my coldest line. I really love when comedies have those heartfelt, more dramatic moments and then are able to like cut them with something funny. Yeah, and yeah. They did that really well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it also is like exactly what you said. Had we, it it happens in 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 a perfect place. We've we've gotten, you know what I mean. We've got a three quarters of the of the show in. We love these people. We also understand their timing. We understand all the relationships. So when Barbara does do that speech, we are expecting for her to have that kind of speech because that her character it's in her character. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we also and we get a little bit of of politics. We get a little bit of of you know message time, and then we also carry us through to the rest of the show yeah, and then slaps us with a joke at the end so we're not yeah. you know so we don't feel so preachy yeah. yeah great great what you got my coldest line is actually way way in the beginning and uh it's uh, uh janine is like walking it's like in, it's during the cold open janine's walking through the class and she asks um she asks one student uh what's their favorite toy story character is and she says excellent sentence structure let me see my favorite movie is toy story and my favorite character is woody good mine too well more of a buzz girl i love his ambition right guys okay let's see oh i love woody i'm actually more of a buzz person myself i love his ambition it's <laughs> a good one a good and one. i just but it's just an for me it's like because I, I i'm having such a hard time writing dialogue and and trying to get in exposition and i'm like all of a sudden like i know who this person is right i know right i this this that one little line is you clearly you have like what the character wants what the character needs like you have a fully fleshed out character and it's done in you know two or three lines so that's why it's my coldest okay it's a great one yeah. Cold, those are hard and that was a good one <laughs> yeah, yeah what okay so i know we have another award to give out but I, I did want to go to like what your favorite and least favorite scene was. This one was hard mm. because it is so short. And I don't know if we told you about this one, Kira. Did, did we throw this one to you? Yeah, you, yeah, you did. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I did. I write what I, I think my least favorite scene is the aftermath after the teacher hit the student. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Tonally, it felt a little out of place. I don't know if it was the performance or what. Like you said, the actor was not uh, pulling as much weight as some of the other ones were. But yeah, it was just like, I, it, it felt really, it wasn't like serious, either need to be more serious or less serious. It was just tonally was kind of strange to me. Um, my favorite scene, oh, I really love the meet cute with, Janine and Gregory I think they did oh, yeah. that really well and it's in such a like disgusting situation and location for mm -hmm. them to still have that you know goo goo eye connection with each other um yeah. I thought it was really funny that's a good yeah. One. yeah 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 and the, and her walking away and then you, you get that little like twinkle in his eye as she walks away which is you know 
which is really really great right because if you think about when you're like how did you meet the person that you love and they're like in the bathroom at an elementary school you know what i'm saying well i was covered in vomit yeah (laughs) and he was covered in urine (laughs) it's just a great you know great story great opening to a love story uh, it also get, it gives him somewhere to go because then in, in his right. talking head he all he says is like oh she's nice she seemed nice you know it's just it gives you, you now you have seasons and seasons of build up that you even though don't they kiss at the end of the season they Maybe do they, they do kiss season? toward the end of the second season yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah spoiler yeah I mean everyone knows <laughs> um but they really are good at like um building this relationship up yeah. and then like having it like okay there's promise of uh them getting together and then that getting dashed and then promise right. again no uh whereas i mean again i haven't seen all of the office but i feel like it was like less of a, a roller coaster and more of just like a slow build up yeah yeah and then the relationship was kind of dead as soon as they get together there's then all of a sudden it's just like kind of them together you know yeah yeah okay what's i'll go i'll go i'll go ahead and go with my favorite uh scene what you got my favorite scene was when ava was trying to get everybody to talk shit about janine that shit was hilarious to me (laughs) that that was 100 my and the reason why i really liked it was um well one it it was it just showed how evil ava can be like that was just like an evil darth vader moment where she even pulled a child out of lunch which is hilarious and terrible (laughs) and tried to get them to talk junk about janine and then uh i also like how her her um her her teacher buddies took up for her you know what i'm saying at the end you know, except Jacob. Jacob was about to go in, which also informs a little bit more about Jacob too. Like Jacob, about her hair too. Right, he was about to go in on her hair. Like Jacob, Jacob is like he's a worker bee. Like he wants to be loyal, but he's really a worker bee. Like he'll do whatever he needs to do. He'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, he's a classic white man. Okay, be careful. Can't trust. He's an he's an enthusiastic white man. You just don't trust him. No, that was my favorite. <laughs> Worst scene. It was hard. I, I honestly, I can't really pinpoint it. That the one you picked, Kira, was really, really good for all the, all the right reasons. I, I really can't pinpoint one. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, a, I'm gonna back out of that one. I'm gonna yeah. back out of that one. <laughs> yeah, I really. I was only, and it wasn't even a bad yeah, scene. It's, it was just like, I guess if I had to choose the worst one, but it, it's still great. The whole yeah. pilot, very strong pilot. and won an Emmy, so clearly, right, yeah. right. What it needs to do. Yeah, yeah. What you got? Excellent. What you got? Mine is a bit is I guess it's more of a joke than it is a scene, but it's um when Mr. Johnson is teaching a class. <laughs> he's got yeah. Illuminati written on the wall and he says, This who runs the, the world kids. Yeah. That was good. In an ABC show. That was great. Yeah, it was it was but they they snuck they snuck in a lot of ones. But even like but even some of the jokes that were on the cutting room floor were like where like Jacob would like um quote Malcolm X randomly. And <laughs> ABC is so interesting um like i so i was writing on queens at the time that abbott was coming out and the t is they really thought queens was going to be like the big hit of that season they didn't expect it to be abbott and whereas queens didn't even make it to the second season but they the things that abc chooses to police are so random like they were mad about the amount of times we were saying the word bitch in Queens, which like you're allowed to say on broadcast. It's not one of the things that is um, that the FCC cares about. Um, and also the show before it went to ABC, the when my showrunner is pitching it, it was called Nasty Bitches. And the the group is called the Nasty Bitches until they change their name in the show. So we're like, what? Why are you mad about this? But this is how, this shows you how many how few black executives there are uh, at these networks like the the song the main song that the group sings uh or that they, that was their big hit they say punani like a thousand times <laughs> like literally the sample is just like say the, the some dude saying punani over and over again they don't know what punani they is. don't like, know what it means it's just <laughs> why executives don't know what is, what the references are <laughs> Wow. Um, and so you can get away with something. that's <laughs> hilarious so the farther into black culture you go the more likely you might be to have your line get into your show yeah I mean they may you make it the note like I don't they don't get it 
And that's why they think you should change it. But sometimes you can be like, don't worry about it. Like the people that need to get the people it. people get it. Right. <laughs> so that sounds like, Kira, you just need to start pulling in like black exploitation slang now. Just like deep cut black exploitation slang. I just call it ruin a jive turkey, I guess. <laughs> uh awesome, awesome, awesome. So we got a close line. Okay. This is this is gonna be hard for the this is gonna be hard for the show. Yeah. Our Juneteenth Award, which is a piece of blackness. But let's I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball. You ready okay. for a curveball? Yeah. Let's how what what piece of this pushes the culture forward? You have to be specific. Ooh, why are you doing that? Because it, it, it's a Juneteenth award. The whole damn show is black people and little black babies. That we can't give it to the whole show. We got to be specific. That's what the people come oh, to hear. No, we gave it to the shy. The shy. Yeah, we gave it. To, the shy was a. <laughs> we said it was revolution incarnate, <laughs> which is which, not true. I have different opinions on that. Yeah, it, it's we not. were. Wor- it's a celebration. <laughs> y'all being nice. Stuff. Y'all should be nice. We were. We were being nice. It's a celebration. It's a celebration of blackness. That whole show. Well, really? I, well, I, I lived in Chicago. I, I'm actually on an episode of The Shy, and oh, wow. every time I get an audition for The Shy, I felt like I was in an SNL sketch about like, <laughs> like audition as a black actor. The lines would be so fucking ridiculous. The the roles would be. Rid- I auditioned both for Keisha and. Oh wow. Who's the naked girl under the bed? And then I also auditioned for the one of the baby mamas, the one that like shows up at the Nike store to try oh, to yeah, get yeah, a fraternity yeah. test. And I'm like, this yeah, is yeah. so stereotypical. Like, what do you mean he has like 17 baby mamas and she confronts him at the Nike store? Um, shit like that. And yeah. I was just like, okay. I mean, I guess this is a version of blackness. It's just not what I see on the South side when I'm there, but sure. <laughs> we should have had you on that one. That would have been good. Yeah, we oh, you, you that shouldn't one. have had me. That would have been great. <laughs> I would get a I would get a blocked call from Lena Wade pressing me out because that happens sometimes. Oh <laughs> Lord. Jesus. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's a good thing we work in nice on the show. Yeah, <laughs> June. It's tough though. The Juneteenth award is is especially for a black show. It's always a little difficult. Yeah. Like, so how does it? So give something specific what does that pushes it, the how culture. How does it forward. push the culture? Well, in a way, okay, okay. The the whole concept of having a network show that has this wider reach, that's speaking, that's throwing like messages in with the you know with the candy that it that helps push the culture forward like that's mm-hmm. the kind of representation that helps push the culture forward you know what i mean so like you can say quinta b she quinta brunson her uh involvement and her kind of like her her knowledge of what she was doing when she pitched this show and when, and, and and the execution of it i mean that can get the, the juneteenth award from me because there has to be a lot of understanding of what you're doing what you're actually trying to accomplish Mm-hmm. when you write something like this and i think that she she executed that uh pretty pretty handily so i mean i i give it to quinta in, in that in that respect so is that a good enough answer for you to that is, that is a solid answer. a very difficult curveball <laughs> that is solid i like it I, solid that's enough great i'll take it what you got what you got carrie you're buying your lip no <laughs> i i just i have so many reasons why it pushes the culture forward um the diversity of blackness that you see within the characters yeah. uh especially these working class black characters i think that there's more pushing that we can do in terms of representation of the nuances within the black community and making uh i think we definitely become less monolithic on screen than we have been in the past but there's still more that we can do i think especially in terms of quote unquote, poor black people, working class black people. Um, but this is gonna sound wild, but I think Ava, the character of Ava pushes the culture forward. And I remember there being discourse on Twitter about this because there was some hotep that was like, I don't like that. You got a black woman in this role and she is incompetent or whatever. And like, this is bad representation for black women. And people rightfully dragged this user and were like, one, she's not the only black woman on the show. You have so many other types of black womanhood being represented here. But also why why do we black women 
and black people in general, but especially black women always have to operate at a level of excellence, particularly on screen. Black mediocrity is okay. That exists. Um, and if she was a, we saw, she's the black woman version of Michael Scott in a lot of ways. And why is it that those types of roles are gatekept from people of color? Like why, especially black people. So I think that letting us, letting these characters be more nuanced and uh, comedic in ways that we have not typically seen black characters is pushing the culture forward to me. Excellent nice. answer. <laughs> yeah, how do I? I don't know how I fall. She knocked. Out. She knocked the curveball out of the park. I <laughs> bunted that did. bitch. I bunted that motherfucker. I said doop, and then tried to get a base hit. She knocked it out of the park. Okay. No, straight up Barry Bonds did. Yeah. You know what that is. I do. You play baseball. <laughs> it does. We were continuing with the, the if curveball. You, if you tell me a famous athlete, I can probably tell you what sport they play. Can I tell you what's team they were on no no <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good all right oh man i don't know that. go ahead i don't know how i Since follow that you introduced well, it so you gotta go ahead and do it well uh it was the illuminati joke because it's a, <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> no 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 but but in all seriousness um i think i think the the issues that it brings up within the education system is how it pushes the culture forward i think um, I mean, look, just what happened a couple of days ago where Eric Adams when this isn't a politics pod, but like Eric Adams just like slashed the education budget in New York. You know what I'm saying? Like education in this country is in is in dire straits and it seems to be on the back burner. It seems it seems never talked about. And to have a show set in a school um that is struggling, um, but it's struggling because of the system because of of the chips that are stacked against it not because of the teachers the teachers are working at their the highest ability that they can um but yet we also it's not the wire there's still there's a lot of joy there's a lot of laughter there's a lot of just very cute children you know and i and so i think it's just that in itself allows us to get that conversation going in a and i think a strong and and powerful way um, and to add, to, I know this is yours, but to add to that though, like you're, and and also to your point, Kira, because we're talking about like, with all that said, the antagonist is a black woman, and the protagonist is a black woman in a way. You know what I mean? They're both working, they're working against each other. So again, that elevates our understanding of that of those those both of those representations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, the, that's that's it. Like you talked about, Eric Eric Adams, right? Not all can can folk. I mean, skin folk is can folk, right? Eric yeah, Adams, black man, slashes black man. the budget. That, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's real. That's the way the world works at times, you know. Yeah. And so I think those are the things that I think again the representation is to to your point is what is what helps push it forward and the nuances therein. You know, I think we all kind of said the same thing. Just Kira just said it the the best. But yeah, it is just such a like everyone loves Abbott. It's just universally yeah. enjoyed yeah. and adored, no matter what your background is, you know, whether you were homeschooled or you went to a public school like Abbott or you went to private school. Um, everybody was educated in some manner. So right. we right. kind of can see experiences that we had uh, in these characters. And so even if like you didn't go to a majority black school and it was well-funded. Um, so it's just really genius. Like I, going back to the part about uh, the, the statement I said about ABC not knowing ABBA was going to be the breakout hit. I knew as soon as I saw that preview, I was like, this is going to blow up because it has everything that would make a show universally um, accessible. Like mm -hmm. the topic, everybody's been to school. Right. Um the, everybody loves mockumentaries. The some of the biggest hit comedies in, uh, in history have been workplace comedies and mockumentaries. Uh, and then we, this is the first time we're seeing it with a majority POC cast. Mm. It's just uh, it, it is it was destined to be great, right. uh, and I'm glad that it really lived up to the expectation at least I had of it, and surpassed the expectation that the studio had it, had right. it. Right. Well, it also, it's also does that thing where like it, it's great 
and this uh, and uh, i hope this doesn't this doesn't sound like a knock to it because i don't mean it that way but it, it's great background noise you know yes. what i mean it's it's just like the the way that the tone is the way that the 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 show is paced you can just kind of stick it on and you can like you know you can be cooking you know what i mean you could be having conversations you could fall asleep to it it's you know yeah. it's yeah it's kind of the workplace comedies i feel like are uh the comedy equivalent of procedurals right mm -hmm. like you can pay attention as much as you want to and still understand what is going on. Um, and that is also what gives it such great rewatch value because you mm. don't have to be really uh, tuned in to all of the little nuances of what's going on. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's why shows like Parks and Rec and The Office and now Abbott Elementary are iconic because people love watching them again and again and again and having mm -hmm. them in the background. So no, I don't think it's an insult at all. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's that satisfaction of just having it, like you said, that, that, which was a great way of putting it, like that solvable, solvable A story, like, and then it just ends. Like we got the, we got the rugs and it's over. Now we're moving on. We, we care about these characters. We want to keep going, but we've, yeah. we feel good about what we, what we just watch because something got accomplished. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the world gets reset at the end. Yeah, you know, and then but then when we turn it on, it's going to be the same school, the same people, same general problems. So there's a little bit of comfort in that. And the the problem gets is established, then it gets solved, and then it's but there's going to be another problem, but it's not going to shake it up too much, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And then even like we had said, the stakes are not so high that you feel stressed out watching it. Like yeah. Breaking Bad is a great show. I feel like I'm dying every time I watch it because <laughs> my anxiety levels are just up to here. So it's not something that I want to watch while I'm just crocheting. Yeah. It's just right. Abbott. Right. It's like, okay, this is kind of soothing and right. heartwarming, right. but still really funny. Right. right. Like we're not, you're not going to fall asleep to Game of Thrones. <laughs> not yeah. me. I won't. There's too much rape in that. Oh, way, yeah. way, just way too much. <laughs> Especially the first season, way too much. We have a running thing where, like, we keep talking about the pilot of Game of Thrones, and we never actually talk about the pilot of Game of Thrones. Yeah, we have to say Game of Thrones at least one time. <laughs> yeah, well, we did it. It's uh, gonna be a running gag. Um, <laughs> Maybe but, when you come uh, back. Maybe when you come back, Kara, you'll do. You'll be on the Game of Thrones pod. <laughs> I have never seen Game of Thrones. Are you serious? Oh, that'll be perfect. You sure. Can I'll do it for you. I purposely didn't watch it because I was like, there's too much. I know there's too much raping in and I don't necessarily want to watch that. Because at the time it came out, I was still working. So for the viewers, our listeners, I uh, also work in sexual violence. <laughs> so I was doing that and I was like, I don't want to come home and then also watch a sexual trauma happen when I just heard all day a bunch of sexual trauma so uh now that i why well, i am still doing that right now because of the strike but uh you know i do hear that it's a really great pilot and i should just watch it just so i know what it is and so when people reference it i understand what's happening that's why i also watched the pilot of scandal for that reason i didn't have any reason to not watch scandal it's just that it was such a communal viewing experience when it was on like you had to yeah. read it and i i felt like i was coming in too late to be able to catch up to what's happening. And this was, I think when Scandal was on, Hulu was just getting started. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like it was easy to access the previous episode. So I just hadn't seen Scandal because I was like, I, I came in too late. But my showrunner on Queens wrote on Scandal. And he I, there were just some choices that he was making that I was like, this must be informed by your time in Shondaland. And I just need to watch the pilot of scandal so i understand what's happening oh my god carrie washington talks so fast the <laughs> the whole cast talks fast as hell and our showrunner kept being talking about how the sometimes the the scripts for uh scandal would be like 80 pages long oh and that's why they're talking so fast because the scripts are so long. wow because you get an 80 page script and this has got to be a 40 minute show Right, exactly. Oh, I was like, "Fastest rapper alive" is not Twister. It is Kerry Washington. <laughs> so it's good to have the. I think for writers, it's good to watch at least a couple episodes of things that are heavily in the zeitgeist, just so you can talk about them and understand. Like people will in meetings or in writers' rooms reference, "Oh, well, they did this thing in the Game of Thrones pilot. We should do something like that." And I am completely ignorant when they do that, and I pretend that I know what they're talking about. <laughs> 
Well, in our in our very last episode of the episode one show that we ever do ever, it'll be Game <laughs> of Thrones, and we'll bring back. <laughs> hey, I won't watch it until then. Don't watch it until. Then. Don't watch it until. Then. All right. I think we. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. So the the ultimate. Well, because there's not really cliffhanger. So I guess the ultimate mm-hmm. question is. No. But that's a learning, uh, that's a learning experience for us. So this is the first time we haven't had a real cliffhanger like that. So my theory yeah. does not hold. Yeah. It's, well, it, it does. Solved. It does. It does. If you're not writing, a, if you're not writing a cliff, because this is not this is not designed to have a cliffhanger. It's not designed yeah. to. Like, but that's the point. Like you know, if we're writing, if you're writing a a, a thirty minute sitcom or workplace drama, then that's something you probably shouldn't worry too much about. You know. You don't but the, the main conflict isn't solved. Like the main conflict is True. the school is underfunded. So you know True. what the show is going to continue to be. Whereas I've read some pilots where I'm like, you solved the whole problem of the show. There's nowhere else for the show to go. Right. You didn't leave enough uh, story for there to be mm. more than this episode. You basically right. made a short feature. Um, and so this is fine. It's fine for the A- story to be solved because they're never going to suddenly magically get a bunch of money at Abbott, right? Right. Or uh, conflicts that pop up because of the engine of the show being the fact that the school doesn't have its resources. Right. right, You brought that part up too, because that's the other part. The engine, I was going to ask you that, like, what do you see as the engine? Um, But yes, you you just answered that. But yeah, that's, I mean, I I think that's all. Is that all that we have, Elijah? Well, our last question. Last question is, is this a good pilot? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we. I think Fuck we, yeah, son. <laughs> no, I, 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 I thought it was a great pilot. Yeah, I think it's a great. Pilot. I enjoyed watching. Sometimes when we do this and, you know, we've done a, a couple. I don't want to watch it this many times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I did not want to watch. I'm not going to say which one. I didn't want to watch some of these that many times. But this one was enjoyable. You, <laughs> you said. So it's easier to watch it a bunch of times. That's yeah, true. That's it's true. Very, very short. And Colin does say which one it is. So if I you go back do. and listen, he does say which one he did not I'm like. I'm gonna guess which one it is. I mean, not out loud, but I. <laughs> There's only one kind of questionable one that you've done so far. Well, there's yeah, there's, I was say. there's there's two. Oh, well, there's two. Well, no, there's three actually. There's, there's oh, there's, yeah. Is it well. Three? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. We'll talk about. It. All right. So yeah. let, let let let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Um. So we like to wrap up with just talking about a couple like couple things, couple mm-hmm. things that you're doing, that you're writing. I like to pose the question, "How's the writing?" Which I think I stole from another you podcast. You stole it. You <laughs> um, so Kira, yeah. how's the writing? <laughs> um, I hate it right now. Um, <laughs> it's it's been a challenge kind of coming back to it after the strike um i wasn't writing during the strike most people were not like we weren't allowed to be writing for any studios but we could write our own specs and everything like that but it was just such a a emotionally tumultuous time um and physically demanding being out on the picket lines as often as we needed to be um so i was just exhausted and i didn't I just have the brain fuel left to be able to write anything. Um, but I think that that was the case of the majority of people because I had a catch up call after the strike was ended with my reps. And I preemptively was like, I didn't write anything new. So don't ask. <laughs> and they were like, we were not going to ask because none of our clients wrote anything. <laughs> so you're good. Um, but I was in development on multiple projects before the strike started. Um, and so just, coming back to those and being like, oh man, I haven't even looked at this in so long. What what mm-hmm. what even is this show? Um, and because the strike kind of ended toward the end of the year, a, a couple of the things that I had development were the next step is to pitch them to networks and trying to figure out timeline on that. Like, should we do it now before the holiday break? Should we wait till the beginning of the year? But everyone's waiting to pitch things at the beginning of the year. Um, And so it's just been a lot of back and forth and hurry up and wait. And uh, for me, sometimes writing pitch decks can be fun. Right now, it doesn't feel fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I, with one of the things that I'm writing, I had written the pilot, right? 
I didn't intend on selling it. This is the, this is actually the mockumentary. I didn't intend on selling it. Um, I just needed a, I wanted to, I actually wanted a sample so I could try to get staffed on Abbott. <laughs> so I wrote a mockumentary and I sold it immediately. Like the second it was finished, it, I had like 11, 12 production companies that were fighting over it. And I was, it was very, and a very intense experience for me. But, um, and I think that is a testament to how much people love Abbott. Everyone kind of wanted their version of Abbott, every, all of these, uh, companies, but, um, because I wrote the script and now I have to pitch it and they want to, there's a different school of thought on whether or not you should sell, sell a show as a spec script or pretend the spec script doesn't exist and just sell it as a pitch. Most people, most execs think you should just sell it as a pitch. So now I'm writing a pitch document for some shit I already wrote and it's weird. Mm. And I kind of, and, and they want it to be a certain length of time. So I'm having to get rid of a lot of uh, things that are in the pilot. And I just feel like I'm chopping my child's arms off. It's like, oh, I guess you don't need a nose anymore. Like I guess it just, it sucks. I hate oh, wow. it. So the writing is, uh, is tedious. I'll just say it's really tedious. And I'm mm. kind of still emotionally recouping from the experience that was a double fucking strike. So it's uh, complicated. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and it's. You were uh... not expecting that answer. I'm sorry. That's a bit of a rant. <laughs> no, I don't no, want to no. right now. So. <laughs> and I bought the episode one show, the therapy section. I, yeah. But we, though, no, I take no. But it, it's it's so. Thank you so much for sharing all that because that's yeah, for it, sure. like me and Colin. That's that's a world that we were hoping to learn more about, and so, um, it's it's I I think it's I think it's fascinating. No, um, no. but you know. You, you always get shit done, Kira. You always get shit done. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that makes this process so uh, more frustrating than other writing processes I've been is like, I'm not getting paid. Right. Um, that's a, something that a lot of writers were talking about during the strike. And I didn't get addressed this time around because there were so many other issues that we needed to be negotiating for. But the, the free development is... Mm. They call it development hell for a reason. Like they'll just be having you write and rewrite and rewrite things over and over again. And a lot of the times we get deals, they're, they're called if come deals. So the studio that quote unquote bought your project, they negotiate all the terms of like what you're going to get paid and everything, but you will not get paid any of it unless a network picks the show up. Mm. So they're still making you do, write and rewrite the pitch to their liking and do all that labor. And then you have to go out and actually do the pitches for the buyers. And you could have, and if no buyers want it, you just did all of that work for no money. Um, and so I'm in the no money phase for most of my projects. Um, and that just makes it that, it just feels kind of insulting. Um, and also just, it's hard because I'm like, oh, we just came out of a strike. So I need cash. And can y'all move faster? Because I don't get paid until I, we pitch this and somebody buys it. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, there's just so many logistical hurdles that you have to jump over before a show ever gets made. I think it's only like 10% of things in development ever see the light of day or see a mm -hmm. screen. So um, it is a, it's definitely different than being in a writer's room for sure. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love and it's a, it's, it's Sisyphean sometimes. You know. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I appreciate you sharing that too, because I think a lot of new writers, us included, of course, we, I listen to a lot of these podcasts and they don't really, not incredibly transparent about the business side of things and how things actually work. So all of this was new to me, you know? Um, so no, I appreciate you just being transparent and sharing all that with us. You're welcome. It's ghetto here, listeners. Don't <laughs> writer. I'm, I'm only half kidding, but um, you saw it's on strike. Is it she ain't sweet? It's a little yeah, better sure. now, but yeah, right. uh, it also depends on what happens with this SAG strike. So well, yeah, that's another that's another podcast. That's another sure. podcast. How about you, Colin? How's the writing? The writing, it's it's going well. I was, I actually did bow, bow, bow. this time. I, the period piece. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually it was it was when I was on on set for the the show. I was work. I had a lot of downtime, and I was like, oh, these threads are starting to come together. 
I got back home and I started writing more of the outline. I've got some scenes already written, but I started really going in on the outline and it was coming together. Things were making sense. I was feeling good about it. And that's has not been happening for a while. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was good. It was good. Awesome. 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 Uh, I've got one more page left in my short. Oh, wow. That I'm writing. So it's first draft and I got to revise it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course you do. Writing is course. Yeah. Ah, ah, I'll just, eh. No, don't. It is. <laughs> You're going to run and write that thing again. Are you going to direct it, Elijah? Uh no 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 my uh my partner uh it's 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 a co-written thing and so she wants to I'm I'm helping her with structure and outline but it's a good exercise for me because I need to actually write shit <laughs> right right uh, I think you should something Elijah I think you'd be good at it yeah I think so like fatherhood yeah it's similar you know if you drop the ball on a, a short just you know nothing bad happens if you drop a baby you might go to jail so yeah. start with this yeah copy that copy that um last question what are you watching any recommendations anything new anything old um i've been watching black cake on hulu which nice. i think is really great um uh, speaking of black representation i don't see a lot of West Indian stories being told unless you're like there's just like a stereotypical Rastafarian Jamaican character that pops up to sell weed or something like that um but so uh my family is from Trinidad and there's just so many similarities to the um main character and my grandma and her experiences and even just the name of the show like my grandma makes black or she passed away but she made black cake every christmas and you know whenever i go to trinidadian wedding that would be the wedding cake um so i think it's really well done the jamaicans all say that the accents are bad but i'm like calm down first of all no one would be able to understand <laughs> a full-on jamaican accent um, but that doesn't mean the story is bad just get past the accents y'all right um but it's great i recommend black cake they always say that. My Jamaican son says that about everything. Like every time, like we'll go see a theater piece, and there'll be Jamaicans on stage with a Jamaican accent, and he'll be like, "Nah, that ain't it." And I'm like, "Bro, like, yeah, even if it's a you could tell it could be an actual Jamaican speaking, and they'd be like, "No, it's not right." And I'm like, I'm, <laughs> also, I'm sure there's regional dialects too, right? Right. Um, and there's code switching that happens, and I just, you know. I get it. I get the frustration in the want to see full, accurate uh, representation, but it, who, it's for a Western audience. Hulu is only American, right? It's right. only accessible in America. So it, the Jamaicans in Jamaica aren't seeing it. Mm -hmm. They're writing it for Americans. And so, of course, they're going to make some creative choices that are mm -hmm. to help Americans understand including the dialects. But mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're wrong for being upset about it, but I also, looking at it from a filmmaker's perspective, I understand why that choice was potentially made. Right, right, right. right. Sweet. Colin, what you watching? What am I watching? I am, I, I'm watching Invincible season two nice. on That's... Amazon. Um, trying to get through the second episode. I think I, yeah, we finished the first episode. Yeah, me and my wife watched that. That's our, it's it's weird because like I couldn't get her into any like nerdy shit, but for some reason she loves Invincible, which is great. So we have a little thing that we do. So we're watching that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm watching right now. Oh, nice. Your baby's not watching that, is he? He is. You know what? He's watching a lot of violent shit and he just can't, you know, like you said, His object permanence. Yeah, object permanence. <laughs> He's not making memories. It's just not there. So it doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> so. Dope. Dope. I'm also on the animation tip. I'm watching uh, Blue Eyed Samurai. Oh, I'm watching uh, that too. I'm watching that too. Kira, you might like that. You might actually like this one. I got kicked off my parents' Netflix account. <laughs> okay. You're, so You're uh, the reason why they keep jacking up the prices. <laughs> you I, are. I am not the reason because I can't access it anymore. <laughs> but they, I got kicked off. They implemented that rule during the strike. And I was like, I'm not going to give Netflix my money. That's, so, right. That's a good point. Um, good but point. if I go to someone's house, I'll try to use, I'll try to watch it. <laughs> Sneak it in. I'll pirate it's, it. You'll pirate. Yeah, pirate. Yes, pirate it. Because Netflix has plenty of money. 
Uh, but it's it's fire. It's fire. I just got through the first episode, so I saw the big twist, and I was like, yeah, dope. Oh, yeah, 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 dope. And then I'm also watching the uh, the Scott Pilgrim cartoon. Oh, I haven't watched, which that. also ha- yeah, which also has a great twist to it. I mean, it's really interesting that all these like because I watched that and I watched the Adventure Time uh thing that was on hbo max and so it's interesting all these like animators are now like looking back at their old stuff and their old careers and they're like commenting on them in real time and their legacy and all this other kind of stuff so i find it fascinating i didn't even know there was a scott pilgrim cartoon i love that Uh, i I really liked the movie um but that's another thing about the strike that showed how much these companies are were relying on actors for marketing. Like they don't have yep. marketing budgets anymore. They just expect mm-hmm. that the actors are going to do it. And so I didn't know what anything was dropping during. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know. I, I there were shows that I had been looking forward to that I had no idea had already premiered just because mm-hmm. there was no promotion of it. Um. So yeah, they this landscape has definitely changed in terms because of streaming and how many corners they want to cut with fun yeah 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 budgets yeah. so they're just like oh we'll just use our artist because the artists want the show to be successful so of course right. they're gonna promote it on social media or go on right. their press tour instead of us right. actually promoting it putting money into it <laughs> you so, know paying people know. for their social media posts right you know um, so, I mean, Elijah has the most experience with this because he was actually an actor on a show. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I only went on like I had like two Zoom press things, and it was just me and Marcus Calendar goofing around, and I think they used like maybe five seconds of it. So, but you everybody... had such a big ass cast too. There was like seven hundred right. people. <laughs> yeah, nobody. Who? who this light skinned nigga? Nobody. I don't care. Like, people love your performance because when do. I when I ran into friends, they were always talking about Elijah's show in my barber shop. Um, and so whenever they would bring up the the show, I'd be like, "Oh, my friends on that show." And they're like, "Oh, who is it?" And then they, I would say, um, "The guy who plays Divine." They'd be like, "Oh, he's so good. He looked just oh, like that nigga." That's what everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just talked to somebody on on set last week uh, when we were in Atlanta, and, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, my buddy's on that show," and he was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, he was really good in there." Real oh, good. nice! Yeah. No, yeah, he, like loved, that. he loved he loved your performance. Oh, dope! Now send that to Bob Iger. So I'm getting another job. <laughs> the Yale Bob. training is it's it's giving it's giving Elijah. <laughs> it's coming through. <laughs> it's, it's giving it's giving articulation. It's giving <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Shakespeare. Um. Anyway, all right, uh, Kira, where can we find you on socials? Um, you can find me on, uh, Instagram. It's just my name, Kira, K-Y-R-A dot A dot Jones. I'm still on the app formerly known as Twitter. Um, and I guess I'm around until Elon truly tanks it to the bottom of the ocean. That's where all the writers are. Um, and so it's hard when, you know, this is only like word-based medium. Um, so I'm there. My uh, handle is Black Ass Feminist, B-L-K-A-S-S Feminist. I don't feel like spelling that. Um, th- and then I'm on TikTok too now. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. Um, I think my handle is also Black Ass Feminist on TikTok too. Um, and I do a lot of screenwriting content on TikTok. So if nice. you want more, oh, yeah, I should nice. be making videos more than I do. It's just so hard. I got to make my face look cute and then I got to edit it. And uh, <laughs> But I'm going to try to do more. So follow me. <laughs> nice. Dope, dope, dope. And you can find us on the, go ahead, Colin. At the episode one pod. Oh my God. Did we change it? <laughs> <laughs> the episode i'm sorry i'm gonna i'll fix it i swear we're professional <laughs> no at the episode one show we are easy to find you can find us on instagram at the episode one show you can also find us on x at the episode one show you nice. can follow us personally you wanna... Damn, you actually... i know no, i know uh, elijah called it x on the last couple episodes and i was like it just hurt it just hurt for him to say yeah it. no his mama named him twitter i'm gonna call him twitter. <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> but yeah that's where you can find us at you think uh here's a bad joke hold up uh and thank you all for joining i'm gonna say, i'm gonna say a joke after we're done thank you all for for joining us uh kira thank you so much this was absolutely yes. amazing thank um, you kira a master class yeah. really truly brilliant analysis thank you for Elements having me of screenwriter we didn't think about before brilliant yeah awesome awesome 
comedy is a different ball game. So it glad is. that y'all are willing to dive in because it's, I fully maintain it's the hardest genre. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. And uh, coming up next, we're do we're dealing with, speaking of comedy, we're dealing with sex education. Sex education. More of a dramedy, but yeah. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> it's an hour long. It's an hour long. Oh, it's an hour long. Okay, good. <laughs> Sex education. Come back and listen to us then. Until then, next Thursday. We love you. Thanks for listening. Peace, peace.